Picture it. It's fall of 2012. I'm living in Berkeley, California. And I look up from the screen of my laptop where I am writing to the ironing board that folds out of the wall. If you've ever seen one of those in older houses or buildings, I love them. This was always one of my favorite parts of our second story Berkeley apartment. The ironing board that magically came out of nowhere. My eyes continue until they are looking out the slightly open window. I see my new friend, the gnarled leafy tree, dancing slightly in the breeze. The sun is bright, giving the world a glittery sheen. And friend that the gnarly tree is, they're keeping the sun out of my eyes. On different days, the scene would be different, of course. A bird, mostly gray, patiently lounging on a branch, contemplating whatever it is that birds contemplate. Worms, birdseed, Medicare for all. <laughs> I'll never know. But there the bird was, and I would study the small flecks of color amidst its feathers. One day it was raining, the wind blowing more vigorously, and my friend Gnarly Tree would be dancing, rain slapping the window near my face, the sounds of nature act activity audible just beyond the panes of glass. Each of these moments was only maybe two minutes long, sometimes maybe five. Short moments marveling at the wonders of the world. How the elements of nature interact. How the weather has such a marvelous effect on this tree, on this world. I found myself in these tiny moments of joy witnessing how everything in the world comes together. Truly, these moments of joy were often holding me together. Seminary was tough that semester. We were living in a more expensive place, and I had just hit the bottom of my savings, so I had taken on three jobs. I was taking more intensive courses. I rarely saw my partner at that time unless I was doing work or eating a quick meal in between responsibilities. My heart was generally heavy. But these tiny moments of joy these tiny moments of joy. These moments I just stumbled into. I savored them for as long as possible. Those moments kept me going. They reminded me of beauty and of possibility. Over the past few years, I found that our country and our world are feeling like they're in a difficult spot. Perhaps you felt that too. In general, we as Unitarian Universalists see lifting up the worth and dignity of all people as an important part of our spirituality. We have already been used to pushing against systems of inequality, working toward a world that makes possibilities for every person more possible. But in the past few years, those who subtly and sometimes explicitly deny the worth and dignity of our neighbors, have been gaining more and more systemic power. 
this can be a frightening turn. Even more frightening for those who are direct targets of these shifts in policy. For instance, if you are an immigrant or have immigrants in your family, the threat of being thrown into detainment and being separated from your family is a very real threat, especially if you are undocumented. And even if you aren't an immigrant or do have documentation, you may still be thrown in jail if ICE decides to raid where you work and they think you look like an immigrant. I say with frustration at the racist implications of that idea. If you are transgender or gender nonconforming, there has been a continual effort to remove federal protections against discrimination in your health care. This is beyond current attempts to enforce a ban on transgender troops in the US Armed Forces. The current administration is also working to reinstate the ability for healthcare insurers to restrict care based on pre-existing conditions, which, among other things, makes it harder for those with disabilities to receive quality healthcare. And we can't ignore recent mass shootings, some of which have been racially motivated. Sadly, at this point, it does not appear that legislation will be put into place to change factors that encourage these tragedies, nor will there be a stop to the rhetoric that supports it. So how can I be bold enough to say something about joy this morning in the midst of all of this difficulty? It's because I truly believe that joy is necessary to our survival. Joy is necessary to our survival. We must have moments of satisfaction, of pleasure, of relief, if we are to be able to live a full human experience. Joy is part of a balanced human experience, a balanced human diet. This is not to say that joy is always easy to find, or that happiness is something we need to personify at all times. No, life is legitimately hard sometimes, right? It doesn't do us much good to reject sorrow or fear. They may just get pent up inside of us, something we reject as we try to put on a happy face. But how do we find joy in places where we struggle? How do we find hope in the midst of challenge? Yu Yu and Methodist minister and theologian, Reverend Rebecca Parker, who wrote the prayer from earlier after our meditation that's in our order of service every week, Rebecca Parker suggests that possibility is all around us already. In her discussion of paradise, paradise, a concept that is often thought of having eternal joy and harmony, she has said that many, including many Unitarian Universalists, many people tend to place an idea of paradise somewhere in the future, somewhere beyond here. The idea that we will continue striving for goodness, making change in the world, and eventually we will arrive at a world that is perfect and joyful. That's not a bad belief. It encourages love for our neighbors, justice, equality. But she encourages us to go one step further and see ourselves as already on holy ground. We are already in paradise in this moment, 
as we move through our lives. Now, the first time I heard Rebecca talk about this world now as paradise, I'm sure I had a look of confusion on my face. I mean, clearly, this is not paradise. <laughs> there is still way too much struggle, suffering, pain. But what she sees is that this is the only world we have. There is no better world in the future. There is this world. And if this is the one world we have, our hope shifts from an idea of a better world to a hopefulness, an imperative, that we will treat what is here now, who is here now, with more love and compassion, with respect and care. She calls this a responsive hope grounded in the now. She also says, and I quote, to say paradise is accessible here and now is not to say that the world is perfect or that we should focus on the good and deny the evil and pain around and within us. Paradise is a place of struggle, a place where suffering happens and where destructive systems that harm life have to be resisted. Rebecca makes an allusion to the serpent in the traditional Christian story of paradise, aiming to harm or disrupt. She asks that we dismantle the traditional idea of paradise as a place of perfection. Instead, it is a place here and now where we can extend a hand of love and learn to come into good relationship with one another. And truly, this is the joy that I see around me. It's been increased protests over the past few years speaking out against laws and practices that harm and other people. There is a struggle that produces these protests, but the fact that there are protests, the fact that there are people who want to speak up about it, the fact that people are coming together and making a statement. It has been grassroots efforts to mobilize against climate change, such as Extinction Rebellion. It's that these efforts exist and they are working to make a change in the world. And there is a broad swath of politicians who are putting forth more and more progressive ideas, even if others are attempting to humiliate and silence them. It's radical acts of resistance radical acts of resistance with the intention to show love to one another. These acts have lifted my heart in the recent months and years, as I'm sure they have some of yours. These moments have brought me great joy. But of course, it is not only in those big radical acts. It's in the small, I love you's murmured from parents to children or even I love you sung in a song. It's the affection found in new and old relationships. It's the empowerment felt when you make a move to take care of yourself. Seeing a young family that was black driving by a few days ago in a car with a Black Lives Matter sticker on their back bumper, realizing that the founders of that movement created a language of empowerment that that family has taken on and feels empowered by. It's taking a hike through nature. 
spending time with your cats and dogs, or for some of us who may not have cats and dogs right now, at least looking at videos of them on Facebook <laughs> or, um, or Instagram or Twitter. Um, oh gosh, I do that a lot. <laughs> Even the small, short, contemplative moment of looking at a tree and realizing it's connected to everything else in the world. We must hold these moments. We must savor them. These are the ways in which we uncloud the beauty that exists all around us. We uncloud the beauty that exists all around us. We make it more active and present so that we may experience that joy. And there's something else Rebecca Parker says about paradise that I love. It's about the role of the church in the world. She mentions the writing of Arrhenius, a second century Christian who says that the church is a paradise, quote, planted in this world. He saw the church's role in that time was to go against the status quo, helping those most in need and challenging the social structures that encourage us to treat some people as lesser. While Arrhenius's ideas are focused on the early Christian church, they seem very applicable to current day Unitarian Universalists. Our uncovering of joy isn't just an individual act, it's communal. We see it when we take action through our congregation or in this community with others. How many of you can think of a time that you have taken action with this congregation or in this community? To reach out that hand of love, to make there be less othering in the world. I saw quite a few hands. This is our work both as individuals and as a community, to make this world, this holy ground, as vibrant and beautiful as possible. So I ask of you something this week, especially if you've been missing out on joyous moments lately. I won't ask you to create them, though if you are compelled to watch some cute dog and cat videos, more power to you, I will be doing that, <laughs> among other things. Um, but when you find yourself in a moment of joy this week, just sit in that moment for a while. Be in that moment. Feel happiness. Feel elation. Feel soothing. Feel that connection to the possibilities of hope and joy that surround us. Give yourself that gift. Because times are difficult. And we need every moment of joy that comes to us.